Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? for this morning, for the many wonderful aspects of this service that tell us your story. Help us to make it our story, our struggle, our joy as we celebrate every element of this worship service this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We have a little bit different structure today um, because of a couple of speakers and because of the children singing. Uh, so we're going to go straight into the announcements. If y'all haven't seen the logos, I want to show you uh, the logos that Rochelle Foster helped us develop. These are our five practices, and um, we'll have the logo up for each practice that we're celebrating in the announcements. We don't have an announcement for Radical Hospitality this morning, other than I'll say thank you so much for all of you uh, that reached out to me last week. It's not any fun to be uh, sick, and I especially have to be in motion, like a shark. Uh, so it's pretty dark when I can't move. Uh, so I watched all of YouTube. I watched the entire thing, and I have uh, notes on that. The second thing we believe in is passionate worship. I'll tell you quickly, um, we have, this is the last service in here till January the 8th. So January the 8th will be the next 9 o'clock service here in the gym. That's because next week is um, 
uh, Christmas Day. Next Sunday is Christmas Day. It will be at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary. Uh, New Year's Day will be at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary. Our Christmas Eve service is at 5.30, um, also in the sanctuary uh, on Christmas Eve. Let's look at our next uh, point, intentional faith development. I'm going to have one of our retired ministers, uh, Fred Parker, come up and give us an announcement about a class coming uh, in January. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I know all of you uh, can read, so there's an announcement, a blurb in the bulletin uh, about a program called Christianity and World Religions uh, wrestling with the questions we ask. And it's a study, it's a six-week study. I'm, I will be the facilitator. Uh, I'm definitely not an expert, but I will lead the uh, the program for six weeks beginning January 8th. We start out with a, a 15, 20 minute video by Adam Hamilton and he brings in guests uh, from all the different faiths. We're gonna be looking at Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, uh, Islam, we look at Judaism and we will finish up looking at our own Christianity. And within that, we will look at all the differences between our denominations, major denominations within Christianity, because so there are differences even without in our own faith. But we live in a diverse world, and you may uh, live next door or work with uh, someone who worships one of these religions. Uh, your child, if not now, maybe one day we will be taught. So uh, the more we understand how they believe, the better off we're going to be, I think, as a uh, people of Christ. It will, don't feel threatened by this program. It's something that will definitely reinforce your own belief in Christianity. Email Beth, uh, if you would, uh, so we can plan for your attendance. Uh, there's, a, if, there's a little book that you can follow along with. It's a good book. It cost is $8. You don't have to have it, and each couple can have just one. Uh, but we're looking forward to uh, having you there. We will not meet on Super Bowl Sunday, which I think is February 5th. I'm not crazy enough to do that. And I would like to add that youth, I know there's a lot of youth in this particular service. Uh, bring bring, uh, bring your, your, your teenagers or your middle schoolers and let them learn something. It's not... Uh, it's, it's, it's very appropriate for them. So hope to see you there. And thanks so much, Joe. Thank you, Fred. Our next practice is uh, risk-taking mission and service. And Erin has a special introduction, which will explain 50% of her enthusiasm, drive, <laughs> and uh, desire to do uh, all the things she does. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries. And um, I wanted to first let you know about our Zoe gift fair today. I will not be the one to tell you about Zoe. We'll hold that thought for a moment. But if there's someone on your Christmas list who you know has enough, they have all the things they need, but you think they might appreciate a gift in their name to a really important cause that, um, according to the Zoe mission, will help children never need charity again, then you can put an uh, envelope in the collection plate marked for Zoe. Um, you have in your bulletin, a flyer that will tell you some different amounts and what gifts that would give. Now, um, let's say you did a $10 gift of rabbits. If you want to tell your uh, recipient about that, you can go collect a card from the back table and fill that in so that the person getting the gift knows um, that you thought of them and did this special thing in their name. So, uh, without any further to do on that, I'm going to introduce someone who can do a much better job telling you about Zoe than I can. And if you see a resemblance, this is my mom, <laughs> Rosie Jordan. Last summer, she went to Rwanda with the Zoe um, mission and met the people there and got to see firsthand how effective this ministry is. So, Rosie Jordan. In June of 2016, I did get the chance to go on a Zoe mission trip with Buncombe Street United Methodist Church. Um, I want to say before I forget that you can do this too. No matter what I say to you today, it won't mean as much unless you go see. 
When you go on a Zoe mission trip, it's very different from most mission trips in that your job is to visit people in Rwanda, orphans in Rwanda. Rwanda is a very populated, densely populated nation, a small nation. There are over one million orphans in, in Rwanda today. And this is just one of the countries that Zoe goes into. Zoe does not serve any nation that doesn't have a good government so that you know the money you give will go straight to what it's supposed to for these children and nothing more. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. This is Zoe's verse of hope. Zoe's a program that started after the, the uh, genocide in Rwanda in 1994. There were so many children left as orphans then. I'm thinking that you're seeing a picture of me with um, a woman, a young woman, she's 17 years old, and her brothers, and I'll tell you about her in a moment. But I want to tell you that before I met her and after I met Odette, we met hundreds of children on this trip, and every child had the same message that Zoe had taken them out of poverty. What Zoe does is takes the oldest sibling in the family, trains them in some vocation, and then that child raises their family by making money. Odette and her brothers had dropped out of school, and, and the boys are back in school now, and um, it's just an amazing story, but she's just one of many, and there's so many more children that should be in Zoe if they had um, sponsorship. So um, they empower children by giving them a job. They empower children by teaching them how to boil the, their things in a pot so that it won't be contaminated. They teach them to have a savings account, make them have a savings account so that they can eat. Because these children are on the streets and they're very, very vulnerable. They're being abused by all kinds of people until they get into the Zoe program. Odette has three brothers, Pacifique, Enoch, and Unamana. Odette um, used to fetch water because she said it was something she could do. Um, she used to um, fish. She did all kinds of things on the street to have money to feed her brothers. But I want to read you her words, and they're kind of broken words because she was speaking her own language and it was being interpreted. But I copied this from the transcript of what I had videoed of her saying. Then we used to have two parents. My mother passed away when I was nine years old. We struggled a lot. We didn't have anything. We didn't own land for farming. Even though I was very young, I liked to fish for money. But the time I met Zoe, I have been free to come out of that bad life. Zoe gave me a cow, though, organ though I was organized to sell fruit. From that money, I decided to start a business. Elise came to visit me, and because she see how, see, saw how I was working, she decided to provide another grant for me from Zoe. Everything I have now I, 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 and everything I own is from Buncombe Street and Pastor Jerry. Honestly, I was in a very bad life. I never think to own a cow or a hen or a garden. I have them all now. I have a cow. Now my cow, I am expecting milk in a few months and then I will get money from that milk. I used to, I couldn't find lotion for my body. We used to once, uh, eat once a day and then sometimes we couldn't even eat. Plus now, we eat three meals a day. We cannot miss porridge. Thank you, Buncombe Street, for everything. And then wherever you go, you are trying, please help them, she's meaning the children. Another thing I want to be thankful on Standing here, there is no other help but you guys. Thank you so much. May God bless you and then provide you strength. Thank you so much. There is one thing I want to ask you guys. You see how beautiful I am now? I have a big project of bringing my, in my husband and aiming to do so. She is saying, I want your prayers so I can do this. Thank you. And like I said, if you decide, the only way you're going to really see is to go on a trip like this yourself. When we went, there were three or four other Methodist churches that went with us. You go to visit children all day long that are being sponsored by mostly Methodist churches. Remember that orphan children 
children that are orphaned through no fault of their own often experience life in, as exile They're, because they often have diseases such as AIDS. They're even sometimes outcast. When you go home today, I want you to look at zoehelps.org. We can help children to never need charity again. We can empower that child. I urge you to think about doing that. Thank you. Thank you, Rosie. Our last uh, practice is extravagant generosity. And I'll give you a reminder of the um, significance given last, next Sunday as our last Sunday of the year um, to, give your, um, to complete your pledges for 2016. We also are um, continuing to gain new pledges for 2017. If you participate in uh, those groups, if you would um, please do that uh, for our benefit both this year and next year. I'm going to call the Alexanders up for our Advent Candle Liturgy, which you'll see on the screen. This scripture is from Psalm 89, 1 through 4. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David. I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. New life is coming. We all count it in days now. God is breaking through. God's word will change the world. We will all be changed by the language of love. The covenant has come down through the generations. The love of God is never ending. We give thanks for God's faithfulness. Today we light the candle of love. We give thanks for God's steadfast love. We give thanks for God's steadfast love. Stand and greet one another and make sure everyone feels welcome here at Memorial.
Virgin Mary was his mother, and Joseph was his earthly father. The wise men came from afar, they were guided by a shining star. Miss Aaron and children. Y'all have obviously been watching me clap and learning how I clap to the music <laughs> right there on that beat, especially when I dance to it. I want to give you all the chance to share prayer concerns with us uh, in this time of prayer. If you would like for a concern to be shared with our Tuesday prayer group, if you'll please raise your hand in a note card and a pencil, we'll bring you one, and you can uh, fill it out um, just by the uh, time the offering plate comes by, and there will be uh, shared with our Tuesday prayer group. So if you'll raise your hand, uh, an usher will bring you one. We got one. Chris, we got one. Um, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of children, their enthusiasm, their excitement, their joy. We thank you for the responsibility of raising them in our homes and in this church. And as we hear of a family about to have a child with so many things swirling around them, we can identify with having something already going on and a new thing pops up and a new thing pops up. Help us to understand the holy family's journey, that it's our journey as well. Help us to understand their calling, that it's our calling as well. Inspire us this morning, Lord, for the reading of your word with the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to thank uh, Bob and Bobby uh, for preaching last week on uh, Beyond Short Notice. And I'm grateful for your um, wisdom and sharing on the text with them last week. We're looking at um, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. We're going to see what kind of struggles the Holy Family had. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So have you ever already had a situation developing or fully developed, and then you get a letter 
or a call or an email from another entity asking for a whole nother thing on top of what you're already trying to do. I've gotten a letter from the IRS before. And we've changed addresses many, many times, as I've told you before, with the different churches and the places that we've been. And sometimes it's just saying, we want to make sure uh, this is still your address. But when you see that headline on that upper left corner of an envelope that says IRS, you just, what could that be? Even though we pay our taxes, I mean, what could it be but for something clerical? But when you get it, you just get freaked out by it. And you never, ever get that letter on an easy, sunny day. It's when you already have a thing going, you go check the mailbox, you look at that, and your blood pressure. Uh, you get a call from your boss. Uh, when I, you know, call in the days of, almost my whole ministry has been in the days of caller ID. But I remember as a child, you know, the excitement of the phone ringing, because I wanted to go run and answer it, and it had the big cord, you know, hanging down on the ground, I had to go reach and grab it. Now it's like, we don't even know who that is. Who could it be? I'm not answering the phone. It could be anybody. But when that caller ID pops up, and it is an authority figure in my life, especially around this time, and it's never when I'm just sitting in a hammock reading a book, uh, which doesn't happen anyway, but something fictional, <laughs> something like that. Um, I get that call and I go, oh, mm-mm. I don't know what this is. I get letters from the Conference Board of Ordained Ministry. This is the credentialing body of our conference and any United Methodist Conference that when somebody's interested in ministry all the way from declaring it to their home church to being ordained seven or eight years later, this board takes them from A to Z. I get letters from that thing and I think, what is that? I'm on it. I'm on the Conference Board of Ordained Ministry now. But there's still that thing of when you used to get that letter. I'm sure all of you, those are a couple of specific personal examples, I'm sure all of you have had something already that was taxing on your life and then someone crazy and an authority figure in your life in some way, shape, or form wrote and said, hey, I'm going to need this thing right now too. It's tough. So let's look at your first phrase. Um, Mary and Joseph already had some things going before Caesar Augustus said, hey, you know what we ought to do? We ought to have another census so we can get more accurate records so that we can get more taxes so we can get money for us. They were already engaged to be married. Is that a big deal? Yes. When you are engaged to be married, those six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven months, fifteen, can really, really ramp up what's going on in your life. They already had that going. Oh, also, um, we were visited by angels. We got that going. We're going to have a baby. We have that going now. In this moment, in these months, building up to marriage, we're actually going to have a baby. And now Caesar gets the notion that we're going to have a census. How many of y'all have ridden a donkey for 10 days? Anybody? Anybody been pregnant and ridden a donkey for 10 days? No. Anybody gone through hostile territory in ways and places that people could truly harm you? Anybody ever do it on a donkey while pregnant for 10 days? Mm -mm. It's unbelievable how many life-threatening things there were right at this exact moment. It's life-threatening to even be pregnant in this moment, in this time period. It's life-threatening health-wise, and it's life-threatening because of the law, the fact that they're not married. It's life-threatening to take that ride. It's life-threatening to potentially go through Samaria if they took the shortcut. Every single element of their lives is elevated and difficult. Let's look at verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. This is what um, Matthew chapter 1 is all about, laying out all those names and all those relationships. And um, I never got a sense of that until I came to churches, these last two especially, where people had been there in their community and in this church 
for the better part of their entire life. And I would say, um, now, who's your sister again? And not only does that unravel who your sister is, it unravels that your sister is married to the brother of that guy over there who's also been connected for the last 20 years and we met here 30 years ago and all that's connected to the fact that we came to Greer 40 years ago and listing all those names and all those connections because it truly matters. It truly matters to how the family is woven together and this scripture is doing the exact same thing. Jesus' father is directly tied back to King David. You know what kind of pressure that is? King David is um, a, a celebrated musician, a fearless warrior, an amazing poet. And they are traveling all kinds of places that are deeply connected to all Old Testament stories. So that's your next uh, line. The map matters. They're traveling all sorts of places that Abram, Abraham followed when he was following God's path. People between Abraham and them, and people along after them, Jesus will follow that path as well. You're talking about an incredibly small geographical area, the significance of which not one of those people was told, just stay on your couch, do what you were already doing, you don't have to change anything, and God will take care of everything. Everyone from Abraham all the way to David, everyone from David all the way to Joseph, Joseph leading into Jesus, in that same tiny little geographic area, is told, get up, go somewhere else, say something else, do something else, and I'll be with you. So being tied to that map and to that geography is incredibly significant. And here's your second line. The house and line of David. More weight than we can possibly imagine. You know what kind of Messiah the people wanted? Someone who draws people together. Someone who rallies all the soldiers. Someone who can unite a nation for battle. Someone who can take back this land. You know, the musicians have a particular draw on society, their ability um, to um, inspire and excite society. Warriors have forever had an insane ability to draw up excitement from society because they think, that's our guy. That's who gonna, who's going to deliver us. King David is both. And so to say that... Um, uh, Joseph comes from the house and line of David, traveling this same geography, trying to fulfill this same promise that God has made from A to Z is entirely significant for this story. Let's look at verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So let's look at two really specific categories. Uh, um, here's your first line. The things we cannot control. Y'all want to make a list of things we can't control? We might be here a little while. The authorities in our life and what they choose to do. From I'm talking about from uh, tiny little things like our particular office space all the way up to our local government, all the way up to our state and our nation. And all the authorities around the globe that make choices to their own ends that have a deep impact for us. So Mary and Joseph couldn't control that it was time for a census, nor could they control that they had to go. What people think or say about us, do we have any control over that? We could try. We can write uh, uh, flowery emails. We can write memos. We can explain it in meetings. We can, uh, uh, you know, get little side opportunities to talk, both uh, uh, professionally, socially, religiously, here on campus. You can try to control what people think. 
But can you truly control what people think about your actions, your words, what you're doing? Mm-mm. Think Mary and Joseph could control what people thought about their situation? Absolutely not. The actions of others that impact our lives, you know, right here close, expand it out a little further. People in our lives who make choices on the roads, in our meetings, in our workspaces, how much can we control what other people are doing? Very little. And neither could Mary or Joseph. I think it's important to note that if God sent God's Son to earth to lead us and put Him in such a fragile position with people that, whose lives were threatened on a journey that could harm them to a place that could take their authority, do we ever wonder out loud, you know, I wish God had helped me out a little bit more. I wish God could make this road a little bit easier. It, it doesn't seem to be the way that God works. It might even be frightening if it was. If you were to say, God, you know, if your prayer every morning was, God, you know what would make it easier for me today would be if you could have that person not say the thing that they're going to say. If you could have that thing out on the roads work out for me. If you could have me get this approval for the thing that I need. If you could have this mission be approved that I'm trying to secure. If you could have this, that could get out of control. And it's not biblical and seems in any way, shape, or form. But even in all those things that we cannot control, authorities, people in our life, what people say or um, think about us, the actions of others that impact us, these are things that we can control. How much do we read and pray and try to listen for God's wisdom and will? We have direct control over that. And no one else can impact your ability to do that. You can say they do. You know, if people just give me five minutes, I'd do it. You know, if the phone would stop ringing, I'd do it. If I, kept, if I could stop getting so many emails, you know, I'd do it. Is that right? Probably not. It has to do with your will to do it, to listen and to understand. Things we can control our attempt to follow. Not when the conditions are perfect, because throughout the entire Bible, the conditions are rarely perfect. In fact, in many cases, when the conditions are perfect, that's when people are the least able to listen to what a prophet is trying to tell them to do. Everything's good. Relax. We've got good money. We've got good um, uh, land. We've got good business. I don't need to listen to you. Our ability to listen, God, and our attempt to follow. And finally, um, what we say or think about ourselves. The end of the year just naturally causes you to reflect. In humans naturally reflect upon the things that they didn't get done or the things that they wish well, let me think about what the um, communion liturgy says what I should have said that I didn't what I should not have said what I, and I did what I should have done and I didn't what I should not have done and I did we tend to look back and reflect on that and pile on ourselves and it causes us to go and seek comfort from another entity because we feel like we're in trouble with God. So we go seek comfort through um, watching or purchasing or eating or drinking. One of those things that can numb the anxiety that we feel about falling short. So what is this text telling us? Figure conflict is going to be there. Figure people are going to talk about what you're going to try to do. Figure I'm going to ask something crazy of you beyond what you think you're capable of. And figure that I'm going to be with you. These are significant things. It's important to note that the Holy Family went through many of the same struggles and some elevated struggles that you go through in your life, yet there God was with them. And their dreams, 
their aspirations, their um, goals, their, um, what they were going to try to do was so fragile that they had to constantly pray and ask for guidance and help. May we do so in this season as well if we're going to prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of an infant. Let us pray. Lord, help us ponder the things we cannot control. But for the simple purpose of handing them over to you. Help us to ponder the things we can control. And pray for help from you. Help us to listen. Help us to follow. Help us to silence that negative voice inside of us that tells us we do not have it. Others will not listen. And we cannot do it. Help us to nurture that voice inside of us that honors you. One that believes we are called to do special things in your name for our family in this, on this campus, for our community in this town, and for our world all in your name. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand and join me in our affirmation. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is all over His works, and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, in the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our offering, and I'll remind you of the announcement that's significant between now and December 31st, if you would like credit for this particular year, for you to make sure that um, you get your contribution in um, before the 31st.
Would you please stand and sing this next one with us? So a couple of simple reminders. We will not worship here until January 8th at 9 o'clock here in the gym. That's also the next time we have Sunday night programming, January 8th. Um, 5.30 Christmas Eve in the sanctuary, 10 o'clock Christmas Day, and 10 o'clock New Year's Day um, all in the sanctuary. Um, you will, there was an announcement last week about a poll in your Sunday school class, but I was out last week, so it's in there this week. Um, just make sure you fill in those blanks. Go in peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Have a great week.